We started a new series last Wednesday on what happens when we die. And I want to begin by simply saying that the Bible says over and over again, fear not. When the angels showed up, it was always the same message, fear not. And when, he, when the angels came to the empty tomb of Jesus, they shouted, fear not. Over and over again, when God came, he always announced to people, fear not. And so we're starting this series, started last Wednesday, on what happens when you die. And I want to start, before we even read any scripture, that you do not, you do not have to fear death. Jesus has overcome death, hell, and the grave. He loves you, and he cares about you. Psalm 23, verse 4 says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. A shadow of death, a shadow cannot hurt you. A shadow of a knife cannot cut you. A shadow of a gun cannot shoot you. The shadow of anything that would bring harm and pain to your soul, the shadow cannot do anything but scare you. And the Bible says, yea, though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we don't have to fear. We do not have to fear because God is with us. God loves us. God helps us. And so fear not is certainly a good start on preaching on this series, What Happens When Someone Dies. And I'm positive. I don't have to ask. Everybody in this room has had someone that you love die. Also, everybody in this room is going to die. Unless the Lord comes, and if he comes, we'll be caught up in the clouds and meet the Lord in the air. Amen. And then the rest of the world will just die that they missed it. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Psalms 90, Psalms 90, verse 10. I want you to stand for the reading of God's Word, Psalm 90, verse 10. He speaks of the days of our lives. It talks about the days of our years, or threescore, that's 60 and 10, 70 years. And if by reason of strength they be four square, that's 80 years, yet is their strength labor and sorrow, for it soon is cut off. What's cut off? Their body, their life. And we shall fly away. I want to use for a subject tonight, when we die, we fly away. Amen? Yeah. You may be seated. When our body dies, we fly away. Very clear in the scriptures, this last part of verse 10 that we read just a moment ago, when we're soon cut off, we fly away. We fly away at death. Our body goes nowhere at death. It stays behind. But we as Christians, we fly away into the presence of God. We go on a trip. Amen. 
It's a silent thing. Death has noise as it approaches death. There's tears, there's crying, there's problems around what happens at death. There is sorrow and crying. But there's a tremendous silence that begins to wrap around the person who dies, the body that dies. And that silence is declaring to us that everything that person was is already flew away. You don't see the twinkling in their eye. You don't see the smiling of their, their smile. You don't see the laughter. You don't see them talking and, and, and fellowshipping. Everything that made that person special has vacated the house. And the house is the body. Everything that made that person, everything that made mom, mom, everything that made dad, dad, everything that made brother, brother, sister, sister, husband, wife, everything that made them, apart from their body, the most excellent part of them takes flight. And they fly away into the presence of God. I started this series before I really thought we needed it. When someone dies, it is a silent thing. Light has no matter. In other words, you can't put light in a bucket and measure it. Light has no matter. And not only does life have no matter, but the Bible is very clear that, that um, um, spirit has no matter. Sound has no matter. The soul has no matter. As I said last Wednesday night, in the Old Testament, when someone died, they did not distinguish between the soul and the body. When someone died, they thought, well, you know, their body, their soul went back to the grave. And the spirit, the life that God gave them, returned to God, the giver of life. And so they seem to think in the Old Testament that everything ended at the grave. And that one day, God would raise them from the dead, judge them, and they would look at a general resurrection. It is true, but they didn't have the full knowledge. Aren't you glad that Jesus came to give us full knowledge? And when Jesus Christ came, he said, you missed something. What, do, what doth it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Well, everybody knows that the whole world you can't gain physically. People, the soul wants to relish in pleasure and things, and the soul is what makes you love and what makes, I hate to say this, but the soul even makes people hate. Depends on the darkness of the soul or the brightness of the soul, the sweetness of the soul. So Jesus comes along and says, now, wait a minute. You need to understand that you're not to fear them that can kill the body, but fear him that can kill the body and soul. Now, that don't mean God's killing people. It just means that sin is killing people, and God has gave us a remedy for that 
And that remedy is the precious blood of Jesus and forgiveness of our sins so that we can go to heaven. And Jesus Christ showed us the difference between the body and the, the, the soul. The soul lives in your body. That's you. You that love, you that rejoice, you that loves God, you that loves your family, you that loves your spouse, you that loves your mama, your daddy, you that love, you that loves, you that enjoys the pleasures, the things of life. It isn't your body. The body just has taste buds. And boy, do they get me in trouble. The body just has glands, and boy, does it get teenagers in trouble. But the body is just that. It's chemical body. It's just a composition of matter. But the soul, Jesus Christ said, what does it profit a man if he gains everything and loses his own soul? And so when someone dies, Jesus explains to us that it's not just the body doesn't, the body goes to the grave, but the soul doesn't go to the grave with the body. The soul goes to the other side. The soul flies away. The life that God gives your body goes back to God who gave it. That spark of life that God breathes upon us. Now you know God's a perpetual giving God. Everybody breathe in, breathe out. Breathe in. Breathe out. Do you know you have to do that all day long or you'll die? Did you know that? You got to breathe in and breathe out all day long or you're going to die. That's God's perpetual life to you. God has given you perpetual life in your body to this point until your body reaches a place where it cannot function. You breathe in, you breathe out. In fact, you find in Genesis where God breathed into Adam's nostrils and what did he become? A living soul. Isn't that good? And Adam breathed into, uh, God breathed into Adam's nostrils and man became a living soul. So every time you breathe in and breathe out, you're breathing in another blessing from God. Another blessing from the Lord. Amen. Um, I, I want to present this in a way in which it will help you grow in the Lord and understand. In our text verse, verse 10 of Psalm 90, it talks about life is in basis in that day and time. Life was about three score and 10, which would be 70 years. If by reason of strength, you're given another 10, which would be uh, four score, 80 years old, that would be a tremendous blessing. We live in a day where people live longer than 70 years. But I remind you, we also live in a day when people don't live to be seven years old. Death is no respecter of person. Death can come at any age. And we think if someone dies at 70, we think, well, they died so young. But in the biblical concept... When Jesus came to earth, 70 years was not so young. When Jesus came to earth, 70 years was old age. And another 10 years was even older age. Now, if you put that in perspective, you go to 
before the flood with Adam and, uh, Adam and Eve and Noah and, and Enoch and all them, them guys lived to be 900 years old, some of them. 969 years old, Methuselah was. And when someone died in that day at 800 years old, they said, well, he was just a baby. So the age really doesn't have a whole lot to do with this. We don't measure our age by our birthday, but by our death day. Please hear me. Because some will not live to be four square, four square and ten. Some will not live to be seven. Some will not live to be 80. Some will live longer. But others will live only a short time. Their bodies will come to a place where they can no longer sustain life. And so at death, we fly away. That's pretty clear that we do fly away at death. I want to share a few scriptures with you real quickly. Um, this is important that we see this because at death, we do fly away. Look at um, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6. Apostle Paul is getting ready to die physically. And Apostle Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6, he's getting ready to die. Nero's going to cut his head off physically, and he's gonna, his head's going to drop in a wicker basket. But, but, but before his head falls in that wicker basket, Paul is in the arms of Jesus. He flies away. I'll show you exactly what Paul is referring to, verse 6, for I am now ready to be offered. That's what he meant. I'm now ready to be severed from this earth. I'm now ready to be offered, now ready for my head to be severed. I'll offer my life to, as a martyr for Christ. He said, I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure as is at hand. The time of my departure is at hand. So when he says, when I die, as verse 10 of, of Psalm 90 says, we are soon cut off, we fly away. Apostle Paul is referring to the fact that when I'm offered, it'll be time for me to fly away. My departure is at hand. Let me give you a simple illustration. In their, in their day, they got on a ship. If they were going to go across the Mediterranean Sea, across the waters, they'd get on a ship. And their departure would be at a certain time. And they would get on that ship, and that ship would go and keep going until it disappeared out of sight. That's what Paul's talking about. My departure is at hand. I'm getting ready to board the good old gospel ship. I'm getting ready to go home. I'm getting ready to depart. And he said, when I depart, he said, I'm going to be with the Lord. My departure is at hand. In our day, airplane, if you get on a jet airplane, and you're, you're scheduled to get on an airplane at a certain time, and they check your luggage, they make sure that everything's okay, everything's prepped and ready to go, and that's what you need to do before you get ready to go to heaven, make sure everything's fixed and your ticket's paid for and everything's taken care of and you're packed and ready to go. 
don't have to pack anything, but you have to pack some stuff in your heart before you get ready to go. And when you go to the airport, let's say they're going to take off at two. They call it a departure. And that's what Paul's talking about. He's saying that death is a departure. It's what death is. It's a departure. And a departure denotes you're going somewhere. And so when you die, you will fly away in your departure. Isn't that good? Hallelujah. If you won't shout hallelujah, I will. The old timers used to sing the song, and we sing it here too. When I die, hallelujah, by and by, I'll fly away. So some glad morning, when this life is over, I'll fly away. I wonder where that songwriter got that right here in our text. Right here in our text, verse 10 of Psalms 90, I'll fly away. When I die, hallelujah, by and by, I'll fly away. I love that. It's a departure when we go. Paul says when we fly away or when we make our departure, it is far better than this life. You say, how could it be far better than this life? Well, you haven't been over there. But I promise you, when you get over there, you're going to go, wow. And you're going to keep going, wow. And you're going to go, wow. For 5,000 years, wow. 10,000 years, wow. You're going to see the angels and go, wow. You're going to see God and go, wow. And you're going to see your loved ones that's gone on before you, and you're going to hug them and go, wow. No wonder it's far better. To be with Christ is far better. Philippians chapter 1, verse 23. Paul says, I am in a strait betwixt two. In other words, I'm, I'm in a cramp here. I'm between a rock and a hard spot. I have a desire to depart. There's that word again. A desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Everybody say, far better. Well, I know he's not talking about soul sleep here. He's not talking about your, your soul asleep because that would not be far better. Hear me? Paul says, I have a desire to depart, to be with Christ, which is far better. I'm, I'm struggling between the two, to be here or there. <laughs> and I want to be there. But Paul says, it would be better if I'd be there. He's not talking about in the graveyard. He's talking about being there with Christ, which is far, far better. Let me... Let me say another thing today. Christ is not in the graveyard. And if Paul is with Christ, he's not going to be in the graveyard. And when you go to be with Christ, he's not going to be in the graveyard because Jesus Christ broke, bankrupted, destroyed the power of death, hell, and the grave, and Jesus' tomb is empty. So when you go see him, you're going to have to go somewhere besides the garden tomb or the cemetery. And if you're going to go see your loved ones that have died and went on before you, you're going to have to go to heaven to see them because they're not there in the graveyard. 
They're not there in the crematory. They're not there in ashes. They're not there. They're asleep down here, but they're awake up there. Woo! I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to help you not fear death because the truth is when we leave, we fly away and we go somewhere. We depart to be with the Lord. And not only do we depart to be with the Lord, but the Bible says that where we're going, there's a long home. We go to our long home. Amen? You know what a long home is, don't you? That's a forever home. Amen? We go to our forever home. Go to Ecclesiastes. I said last Wednesday, Ecclesiastes is not a good place to be trying to prove anything, but if you're going to prove death, this is the place to be, Ecclesiastes. I want you to notice in Ecclesiastes, and and I want to point out this verse because it's important that you see verse 7. Verse 7 of Ecclesiastes 12. You found it? Say amen. Then shall the dust return to the earth as it was. That's the body. The dust returns to the earth as it was. That's the body. We were made of dust. The dust returns to the earth as it was. And the spirit returns to God. Our life returns to God who gave it. Now, we understand that this is Old Testament, so they don't really see the difference between the soul and the spirit and the body, the body and the soul. But I want you to notice something, and I'll try not to keep you long because I realize the children need to be in school, and some of you can only bear so much of my preaching. But anyway, so we don't want to keep you here too long, but there's, there's a lot of poetry about aging in this chapter 12. A lot of poetry about aging. The first two verses of chapter 12 says, get you living while you're young. Serve God while you're young. Get on board while you're young. Get prepared prepared to meet God while you're young because in the day, verse 3, when the keepers of the house shall tremble. What's he talking about? This is a poetic statement through verse 3 down to verse 8. Actually, verse 7, verse 3 down to verse 7, it's a poetic uh, announcement of aging. It's speaking of the body. In that day, the keepers of the house shall tremble. What is the keepers of the body? Your knees, your ankles, your hip, your back. Hello? That's the keepers of your house. Your skin, keeper of your house. Listen to the the poetry of this. The keepers of the house shall tremble, meaning you'll walk with a tremble. You'll be shaky. The strong men shall bow themselves, meaning you might have thought you were tough before, but one of these days you're going to go, oh, my back went out. Amen? While you're young, you go out, but when you get older, your back goes out. It says, and the grinders cease because they are few. He's talking about teeth. Grinders are the teeth. They're few. Trust me, that'll happen to the best of us. 
And those that look out, the windows be darkened, meaning the eyes don't see as good as they used to. And the doors shall be shut in the streets when the sound of the grinders is low, the business of the city, and he shall rise up at the voice of the bird and, and the uh, daughters of the music shall be brought low. What's he talking about? He's talking about there'll come a time in your life that you won't want to leave the house. You won't go out much because you don't enjoy it anymore. You've reached a time and age that you've lost that. That's what he's talking about. They're busy outside the house, but I'm inside. Verse 5, and when they shall be afraid of that which is high, afraid they're going to fall. People get older, they're afraid they're going to fall, and they do fall. That's why we need to watch out for the older people. Catch me when I fall. And the fears shall be in their way. In other words, they're afraid they'll fall. The almond tree shall flourish, and the grasshopper shall be a burden and desire shall fail. That desire shall fail, probably, probably I, I probably don't have to say this, but it, that's sexual desires. That's, we want to go party. We want to go do whatever. You, we're past that when you get to a certain age. You say, I'm not there yet. Well, thank God you're not, but I'm telling you, some folks get to the place that the, 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 the desire shall fail. And because man goeth to his long home, and the mourners go about in the streets. Look at verse 7, or verse 6, rather. Or ever the silver cord be loosed. That's talking about the spinal cord to the, and also the birth cord, the biblical cord. When that cord, silver cord is loosed, and the golden bowl, that golden bowl is your brain, be broken. When your head is broken, and the spinal cord is severed, or the pitcher is broken at the fountain. That's your heart. And the wheels broken at the cistern. That's your lungs. Then shall the dust return to the earth as it was, and the spirit shall return unto God who gave it. See that poetry? I mean, I just, every time I read this, I, my hair stands on end, what little bit I've got left. But anyway. It's thinning up here. Some of you think, oh, you got such a good head of hair. Only because you, you've gone through it worse than I am. But anyway. <laughs> I, I'm going to move right along. I digress. Not only do we go to our long home, everlasting life. Talking about those that have made preparation to know the Lord. We go to our long home. Everlasting home. Notice that when we get to our long home, you'll make new friends. When you get to your long home, you'll make new friends. Talking about when you get to heaven, you'll make new friends. I don't know about you, but I would like to hit it off good with Moses. How many would like to hit it off good with Elijah? Yeah. I like to make new friends when I get to heaven. Matthew 8, verse 11. And I say unto you that many shall come from the east and the west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and sit down with you and I and others sitting together in the kingdom of heaven. Isn't that good? 
Now, I'm going to get into some nitty-gritty stuff as we get ready to close the message because I get asked all the time, will we be married in heaven? I have wives and husbands ask me all the time, will we be married in heaven? Now, um, yes and no. Will there be marriage in heaven? Yes, but we'll be married to Jesus. That's the only one we're going to be married to in heaven. The Bible says we'll be equal to the angels. We're neither given marriage or taken marriage. We'll be like the angels. Don't mean we'll be an angel. It just means that we'll be equal as the angels. Angels will be able to do things we can't do, and we'll be able to do things angels can't do. It doesn't mean we'll, doesn't mean we'll bless God. They, they got their angel wings today. No, they didn't. No, nobody dies and gets their angel wings. Because we're not going to be an angel. And most angels that you read about in the Bible don't have wings anyway. And there's so much stuff that's mixed up. Some people think angels are little naked babies flying around in the sky. No, angels are not little naked babies. Angels many times have a similitude, most like a, a man. But we will be like them when it comes to marriage and remarriage. They don't give in marriage and take in marriage. Angels don't get married. Now, that is a joy to some people. They'd be glad to get rid of the one they're married to. And then that would be others. It brings great sorrow to you. I love Judy very much. I'd, I'd love to have her as my wife forever and ever and ever, but Jesus will be my, my groom. He'll be, I'll be married to him. Isn't that, isn't that good? And so all the questions I guess the people would ask when we get to heaven, will we know each other? Well, I won't be dumber in heaven than I am now. Sure, I'll know people in heaven. Uh, I, I just want to clear up some things real quickly. When, when, when someone dies, a spouse dies, and you miss them so much, remember that you won't be married in heaven, but you've got to understand what marriage on earth is all about. And marriage on earth is all about companionship. It's about pleasure. It's about procreation. It's about deep personal friendship. It's about personal strength. It's about help. And so when someone, when you fly away and go to heaven, loved ones that's gone on before you, the answer is very clear, yes and no. Will we still be married in heaven? The answer is no. We'll be equal to the angels. We will not be given in marriage, taken in marriage, simply because Jesus will be married to us. Does that mean that when you get to heaven, your spouse won't greet you at the gate? It depends on how you're getting along today, I guess. I don't know, but anyway, what it, what it actually means is this. When, when you fly away and go to heaven, I believe your loved ones will meet you there. 
I believe when you get to the gate of heaven, I believe grandpa and grandma will be there. I believe great grandpa and great grandma. I believe great, 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 great grandma and grandpa will be there. I believe your spouse or that you once uh, cherished down here on earth will be there. I believe they'll meet you at the gate. I believe your children will meet you at the gate. I believe your friends will meet you at the gate. I believe they'll, they'll invite you in and, they'll, and the feelings that you will have toward them will not change. You'll have great love. In fact, you'll love them more than you ever loved them on earth. You will love them more. You will love them more and you will be friends and you will be best of friends and you will make friends and you will know people and and you will uh, enjoy the blessings of God minus the essential things of the earth. Isn't that good? Someone says, do animals go to heaven? I, I, I believe God, God can do anything, and I will say this. God saved a bunch of animals on the ark, so he obviously had to touch a soft spot for animals. Right? Well, will my cat go to heaven? Probably not. Cat. Cats believe they're God. Cats are idolaters. Probably not. They, they, they only care about themselves. They're selfish. They're, they don't wag their tail when they get happy. They purr only when you please them. They're opinionated. They're stubborn. So I'm not sure cats will go. They might. We've got an awful merciful God. You say, well, what about my chihuahua? That's not a dog. That is not a dog. A chihuahua is a feather duster without a handle. We love our animals, don't we? We do. We love our animals. So I'm, I know that with God, nothing is impossible. I know God can do anything. God's an incredible God. And, and I know that there'll be animals in the millennium. And I think there will be animals in heaven because I know there's horses there. So it, it very well could be that, that God has already decided that your favorite pets, mine is the cats, might be there. I don't know. I do not know. That done made the chihuahua lovers mad at me and the cat lovers mad at me. Well, do you think a big old boxer dog would go to heaven? Sure do. The bigger the dog, the bigger the faster the going to heaven will be. Of course, I'm teasing. I don't have the answers for that. But the Bible gives us answers for us. We don't have to fear death. Amen. And I want to say to those of you that struggle, I've got a, I love my wife. I, if, I, if I could choose, I would choose to be married to her forever. If I could choose, I'd choose to be married to her forever. But God didn't give me that choice. He said, we'll be like the angels. They don't marry or give in marriage. But we'll still have the love for each other. 
when I get to heaven and Judy gets to heaven, we're going to know each other. And I'm going to know that she was my wife down here. And I'm going to know how much I loved her, and I'm going to love her more than ever there. I'm going to know my sons, my daughters, and I'm going to love them. And I'm going to love them more than ever. I'm going to love my grandpa and grandma and my mom and dad and my brothers and sisters. And I'm going to love them more than ever. I'm going to love them, and we're going to spend time together, and it's going to be an incredible thing. But the truth is, we go beyond that when we get to heaven. It's amazing how many friends we're going to have. We're going to make new friends. We're going to have new friends. We're going to have friends, and we're going to love them with all our heart and all our soul. And we're going to, we're going to I think it would be wonderful to get to see, get to see uh, Moses and be his friend, Elijah and be his friend, Abraham and be his friend. Isn't that good? And so let me just simply say this, because I, I know I get asked all the time about it. What if you've been married four or five times? When you get to heaven, do you have four or five spouses? Answer is no. You won't have any. Jesus will be your, the one married to you. But you will honor all four or five spouses with the immense love that you had here with them. Nothing changes other than the sensual part of earth. Because marriage is for procreation, and that's the purpose of marriage. But in heaven, they don't need to procreate because no one dies and be serving the Lord and honoring God. Amen? I hope this message has helped you tonight. I hope today that you understand. And, and of course, there's some things I'd like to change, but you don't change this. There's some things that I'd like to back up and say, no, nah, you know, do like my wife. She, she gets hit with something. She goes, no. Nah. There's some things in the Bible I read and go, no. Nah. But I want you to understand that to be with Jesus, it's far better. It's far better. And if you've got a loved one in heaven right now, they know about you. They're, you're on their heart. And they're waiting for you to come. If you have a loved one that's on the other side, they're waiting for you. Because we will fly away to meet our loved ones that's gone on before us. You don't have to fear death. As long as you have Jesus as your Savior, you do not have to fear death. Now, on the, we got a little silly while ago about animals, but honestly, God can do anything. I don't see any reason why he couldn't give you your favorite pet. I don't, I don't know. You know I, I, I'm not going to step in and tell God what to do. I've, you know, I've grown out of that long ago. But God can do anything. And so we'll fly away. A few days ago, Phyllis flew away. Randy Lugenbell flew away. Some of your loved ones will fly away. And one day when it's time for you to go on your appointment, 
and take your departure, you, you too will fly away. An angel will come and get you and take you right into the presence of Jesus Christ. I said, an angel will come and get you and take you right into the presence of Jesus Christ. Oh, wait, maybe it'll be better than that. Maybe when you got born again, God put a homing device in you so that when you leave your body, the homing device kicks in and you know just which way is home. That's a possibility. I know that uh, Lazarus who died in Luke 16 was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom, but Abraham's bosom was in, the, in earth at that time. Angels will carry us into the presence of God. Or I'm, I'd like to think maybe there's a homing device in us that was put in us when we gave our heart to Jesus Christ. And everyone that's in our heart right now knows our way home. And when we step out of our body and begin to fly home, just like those birds that migrate, they have a homing device. They, they were hatched here, but they know their way home on the other side of Mexico. They were hatched in a nest here, but they know their way home to the other warm parts of the country, another country. They were not born over there, came here and then flew back there. Look at the monarch butterfly. Many of them die on their way, on their journey, and many of them never make it to the other journey, but there's a homing device in those creatures that tells them where to go. I've noticed today and Judy hated me when I said this. Well, I, that's a strong word. She, she didn't feel good about me saying this. I said, look at all the birds lined up on the power lines. They're getting ready to go because we're getting ready to have cold weather. She doesn't like that. They're getting ready to leave because we're getting ready to have cold weather and they're all lining up on those telephone lines. And little peeper says to little canary, I don't like the cold, do you? Little Robin says to the other bird, tweet, tweet, I don't like the cold either. And they have a little meeting together and says, you know, we're going to take off together. And someone asks, wait a minute, who knows the way? And they'll say, I, I don't know, I was born here. I was born in a nest here. But when it comes time, they'll know exactly where to fly. They'll know where to go. They'll, there'll be a homing device in them. They'll know where to go, and they'll fly to the exact spot. You know, the truth is, we've got some robins that leave our house. They're born in, in a tree at our house. They're born in a little bush, the gooseberry bush. Robins born there. And those little burgers will get born there. They'll grow up. They'll learn to fly. And then they'll fly down to probably the other side of Texas or down into Mexico while we're getting bashed with snowstorms. And then long about the dandelion starting to pop up, that little bird will know his way back to the gooseberry bush. Isn't that beautiful? He'll know his way back to the gooseberry bush. And I want you to know we know our way. How's that for a homespun illustration? We'll know our way back, and we'll know. And we don't have to be afraid of death. So I give an invitation tonight, and I simply want to say to you, if you're not ready to go to heaven, if you haven't had this Jesus to come into your heart, if you haven't had your sins forgiven, if you haven't 
made preparations for your trip, your departure. I want to invite you to stand and come to this altar and say, I want to make preparations. I want to make sure that I'm ready for my departure. I want to make sure that when I leave here, I'll fly away. When I die, hallelujah, by and by, I'll fly away. And there may be someone in this room right now. You say, preacher, I'm not sure. I'm afraid of death. Let me share with you. You don't have to be. You can come to Jesus Christ. And then one day you can fly away. And you'll know exactly where you're going when you go. Isn't that good? Stand with me. We're going to give an invitation. When I die, hallelujah, by and by, I'll fly away. The time of my departure is at hand. I know the way. Would you make that preparation today if you're not saved? If you are saved, would you just understand the greatness of, your, of God's mercy and the greatness of His love? Would you just yield your heart to Christ? You do not have to be afraid of death. Jesus will put you in His presence and He will give you the assurance and He will remove the fear from your life if you'll just come and allow Jesus to change your life. And now allow Jesus to secure your life and to secure your mind and your heart.